Welcome everyone to our 12th episode of the Genuine Men's Zoom Live. It's a weekly uh, event that we put on since COVID-19 um, impacted uh, so many people around the world. And it's a way for us to build uh, a, a community around the Genuine Men's movement that consists of a show, uh, which is the Genuine Men's Chat Show that we release once a month a podcast of both the show and the Zoom Lives and workshops around expressing the often unheard and honest views of men from various backgrounds, cultures, religions, and life experiences. It's also a rare opportunity for men to have a platform to express their views, their thoughts, their perspectives, their obstacles in life with other men and today women on topics that impact them, their families, their community, and society as a whole. It's an unfiltered and unadulterated look at what life is like from a man's perspective. Mm. Today, we have uh, our um, uh, wonderful Alan, who's going to be participating with us, one of our genuine men. Hello, Alan. Hello. And, and I'm your host, the Genuine Men's uh, Coach. And um, we have a wonderful twosome uh, uh, guest speakers today uh, on this topic called Social Values and Impact of Racism. I'd like to welcome back uh, our guest, Michael, and his beautiful uh, life and business partner, Fiona Matobo. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I like how you say Michael and the beautiful wife. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Everyone has a better half. The question is, I know, is it? I know, I know. Yes. So let me properly introduce you both. Uh, Michael and Fiona are social enterpriser, uh, enter, entrepreneurs sorry, and co-founders of Radiant and Brighter, uh, a community and award-winning society uh, enterprise founded in 2012. Mm -hmm. Sorry, community interest uh, company and, and an award-winning social enterprise founded in 2012. Radiant and Brighter is a well-established, reputable organization within the business sector, third sector, and BAME communities throughout Scotland. Mm -hmm. The organization is currently leading the way in developing a better understanding of culture and ethnic diversity in Scotland, working with minority ethnic communities and partnering with a range of expert organizations as well as high experienced individuals from recognized businesses to support, integrate, workforce diversification and business startup programs they skillfully offer end-to-end -end workshop uh, workforce diversi uh, diversification programs for public private and third sector organizations mm -hmm. in november 2016 radiant and brighter became part of a social innovation partnership with the scottish government aiming to tackle poverty and inequalities mm -hmm. michael and fiona dedicated their time uh, and continue to dedicate their time towards change, having inspired by been, been inspired by time in their lives when they were not allowed to do work or access public funds for a period of five years due to immigration control in the UK. <clears throat> what a what a remarkable story you both have, and and we can't wait to hear it. But let me quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me quickly introduce the topic at hand. What is the value of a human life? 
as an American woman of African heritage, having lived in, in America for over three decades before living here in the UK, George Floyd and the countless unnamed others that have fallen victim to this plague called racism hits home very deeply for me. Mm. This is especially so for, so for me because I, as a professional, I'm a professional problem solver, a diversity and inclusivity trainer, mindset and mental fitness coach. So social justice is an area I have devoted so many years of my personal and professional life to and continue to do so. I ask again, what is the value of a human life? Mm. As instances of racism around the world come to light and people take to social media and the streets in protest to express their outrage about countless George Floyds around the world. It gives us, and myself included, the critical opportunity to reflect on the intent behind our conscious choice to mm. use our voice to express our views. Mm. It also gives us an invaluable gift, an introspective look at our own conscious and unconscious biases. Mm. Racism and all other isms are taught. Mm -hmm. We are not born with them. Mm -hmm. With all of the likes, the shares, the retweets, I can't help but wonder about the true intent behind them. Mm -hmm. As social influencers, celebrities, businesses, and giant brands take to social media, many are being called out for their hypocrisy mm -hmm. and jumping on the trendy bandwagon of the moment because it's not only trendy, but marketable and profitable when many have stood silent for many years on similar instances and issues. Mm. I'd like to be absolutely clear, the unsanctioned, unjustified killing of any human being, of any race, of any background, of any gender, of any faith, is neither trendy nor mm. profitable and is definitely not acceptable. Mm -hmm. It is a social injustice. Mm -hmm. Racism is a disease that requires a cure in our societies, in our minds and in our hearts. How can we each genuinely and respectfully reaffirm the value of human life and support those suffering from injustice around the world and in our backyards here in the UK? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, Michael and Fiona? Uh, you, you can know, start wherever you're comfortable starting. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the thing about racism, um, I mean, you just brought up the George Floyd murder. I think these murders have been going on for years, but nobody um, thought about it in the way that we do now that should have enough to bring about the change that we needed. Mm -hmm. I think the people that are in power, that have the authority, should have done something that obviously hasn't been done. Mm. And it's important that now as we look at, as we've had time, I hope, to reflect on where we want to go and how we want to live our lives and what world we want to live in with the COVID situation, I think it's time to reflect and think, where are we going? Where do we want to go? And what world do we want to live in? More importantly, what world do we want young people to live in? And I think, 
I think that one thing that came to mind, um, and it's been weeks of, it's two weeks now, more than two weeks, I think, just over. And it's now, it, it, it plays on your mind with everything that's coming out, with people raising their voices, people speaking about racism in a way that they couldn't before. I mean, we teach diversity, we talk about racism, but it's as if for the first time, after somebody has died so horrifically, we can now speak about racism as a society, which we didn't do before. This is a societal issue that should have been dealt with for this. Mm. One of the things I found myself having conversations about is the fact that when Chauvin knelt on his, his neck with all these other three guys holding him back, it was clear not only that he knew what he was doing was wrong, but the fact that he knew he could do it. And he that's what's baffling. Mm. He knew he could, and mm. so he did. Mm. And that's, that's, for me, baffling. That mm. people were saying, stop. That George was saying, I can't breathe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he looked straight in the eyes of everybody and carried on yeah. for over eight minutes. Yeah. That is the ugly face of racism. Yeah, yeah. That is the million things that people have experienced culminated in that one incident. Mm. We shouldn't have to wait for that to happen over and over and over. It has happened not just in America, it's just that in America they are more vocal. It has happened in the UK. These deaths have happened here in Scotland. Mm. But yet, in Scotland, at the top, they largely remain silent. Mm. Actually, what surprised me is that, you know, when you see all this happening and it's galvanizing and it's polarizing and you get carried away and you start to think we're all talking about it. But actually, uh, we did a video on it uh, uh, two days ago and we're talking about how uh, everyone, is everyone is talking about it. But I went back and thought, no, not everyone is talking about it, actually. In Scotland, at the top, I haven't really had anybody talk about it the way that I think they could. In fact, it's very quiet. Even in the schools where we know that racism exists, the head teachers, I haven't had anybody say that they've sent out a letter or that they've said anything about it to the children in their schools. I mean, I might be wrong, but I just think for the work that we do, um, it would be helpful to hear something, but I'm not hearing enough. In fact, I'm not hearing anything <coughs> remotely change-making mm. at the top. So, yeah. yeah, those are yeah. a lot more thoughts, but... I hope that kind of paints a bit of a picture of some thoughts. Yeah, but I, I think uh, one of the things that uh, has really come out of uh, of these um, in terms of racism is the last words that George Floyd, um, some of the last words that he makes, and one of the statements is, I can't breathe. And I think for a very long time, these issues have always been known, 
um, these, these issues are happening even today to individuals, to organizations, especially organizations that are black-led. Mm. Um, and it's not like um, most people don't know. Most people are aware. Most people know. And I think for a very long time, uh, communities are screaming out, we can't breathe. Mm. And, and that is the reason why even with, with the pandemic, which is claimed a lot of people's lives, uh, when they're advised not to go for those gatherings, they're like, what have I got to lose? Yeah. Um, for a very long time, you've nailed on my neck. For a very long time, we've lost uh, hope. For a very long time, we've, we never had. So, you know, this is not going to be any different. So, um, and I think because of that, we have something has got to happen and it will be a shame if we miss this opportunity as communities as individuals but uh, most importantly as a country if we miss this opportunity without doing anything i think this has shown a, a, a big light on um disadvantaged communities and something needs to be done not tomorrow not next week but today Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that both of you work primarily with a lot of disadvantaged communities throughout Scotland. Can you share a bit about what you do and, and how you got into this work so that we can better understand your journey and your experience with racism, if you care to share, and its social impact? Yeah. So when we started, uh, when we started doing this work, it was because we'd not been allowed to work or have any recourse to public funds due to immigration controls for a period of five years. Mm. But in that time, it was probably the most enlightening time in our lives, really, because we'd lived in London previously. And although we'd, uh, we had that, the issue, I don't think we necessarily fully understood. understood. Yeah how that comes about you know it's one thing to identify the problem it's another thing to understand it mm -hmm. so we didn't really understand how um the you know the systems and, and and policies and all that plays into what was now our situation it just seemed like we came here we are we are immigrants and therefore you know we're getting what we pretty much deserve and you have to work hard anyway yeah so, you work hard yeah but you feel like, because because it's stigmatized yeah. to be a migrant in this country. I mean, when people come to uh, to our countries uh, from the Western world, we welcome them like, "Wow, yay, so yeah. good." When you <laughs> and you know any person that's white is perceived to be an expert or a yeah. tourist. Yeah. When you come here, you're an immigrant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was something that we didn't necessarily understand. Also coming from a, a majority black country. We didn't necessarily understand uh, racism, but when we got to Scotland, it shows up in ways that you can't, or you almost can't miss it. Yeah, um, because the other thing that happens when you come to Scotland is uh, people are very welcoming. Yes. Uh, um, all that hope is there, but actually when you go to the workplace, it's a different scenario. Mm. Um, what you get in the community is different from what you get in the workplace yes so um often when you go to the workplace 
um, the majority of the migrants or uh, the B BME people will be on the shop floor. Mm. Uh, there will be very few, very, I, I can count them on, on the tips mm. that are in high positions, mm. um, which is different from London. In yeah. London, if you went to uh, a workplace, it's, you know, you, you'll see people in managerial positions and as CEOs and, and all, um, and, and I think because of that, sometimes you don't feel it so much in London as it is in, in Scotland. In Scotland, it's quite there. It's, mm. it's right in your face. But also it's, it's there mm. in London, mm. but it's a bit more subtle. And I think you almost have a kind of safety in numbers because there's more diversity. Yeah. Yeah. You see a bit more progression. Yeah. But here, when we got here, it was evident that we were black and that we were different and that we were outsiders. Because although people are friendly, it's like I liken it to seeing the sea and you think it's very calm, but then and you, you jump in and you don't realize there's an, an undercurrent. <laughs> and suddenly you're like, oh, here. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it feels. Mm -hmm. So when we then had that period, we started to. Well, Michael doesn't like to sit down, so no, he started no. to volunteer. Yes, I started to volunteer in that time because uh, um, at the time, two little ones, the oldest were three, uh, the young one, the, the girl was one, and Fiona was seven months pregnant. Um, but remember, we're not entitled to any income, um, despite the fact that our children were born in the UK. Um, so I had to find ways of, uh, of surviving, but keeping myself active as well. So I um, and uh, one of the organizations that I was volunteering in gave me an opportunity to go on a scholarship on a leadership uh, training program, um, which I did. And in the second term, they asked as students to do something that we are really passionate about. Now, because we were not under uh, asylum seeking and, uh, um, and refugees, every single, tell me any organization that supports in Scotland then, I'm talking about 10 years, there were, there were even no food banks then. Um, we knocked the doors and they couldn't support us purely because we're not asylum seekers, we're not refugees, and we're not international students. We didn't tick a box. We didn't tick a box. Um, getting the support was really, really hard. No food banks. So all we had to rely on was friends that knew our story, family friends. Um, and the community really. So going out to volunteer gave me a sense of doing something at least. Um, and so I used to drop off my our son to, to, to the nursery and then go and volunteer for two hours. And then after the two hours run, get him from nursery, bring him back home. And then after that, we can decide what we do in, 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 the, in the evening. Mm -hmm. But it's out of that, that when I did the program, did a project. I, I did the project and the project that I did was having a meal with asylum seekers and refugees uh, because that was the nearest group that we could relate to. Um, and during that time that we did the meal, we uh, had a questionnaire where we asked people what they would like this organization to do for them. And overwhelmingly, we had about 40, 50 that meal and overwhelmingly, they said, they all responded saying, we want a place to belong. 
No. It's and say, um, uh, a place to belong. Uh, could we continue having these meals? And uh, the leader said, you, you could. This is what your project, you could. Uh, and I was like, um, but I don't have them to work. And I don't have any income and all that. And they looked, that was your project. I oh anyway, went back home, um, discussed it with Fiona, um, and we decided to have monthly meals. Mm. It's out of that that we started to realize that many of the people that we were reaching out to had the skills, had the qualifications, but were struggling to get into the level. Um, and we started off by supporting people to integrate in the community because again, many of the people reaching out um, have stayed in the, in the country for a year, for a few months, um, really struggling to integrate in the community. So we started having, um, uh, supporting people to integrate in the community. Mm-hmm. And it's out at, um, after the five years we thought, let us go and, uh, and find the jobs. Unfortunately, it wasn't as easy as that. Um, finding the jobs was very difficult for us. So n- normally when we went out to look for the jobs, if you remember, um, the, 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 the questions they used to ask us were uh, um, uh, experience. Um, and yeah, we have the experience. And the biggest challenge that we had was the five-year gap. Yeah. Um, so uh, most of the employers couldn't take us on because of the gap. Yeah. And it's at that point that we thought, you know what, we know how to reach the community. We know, we know the need in the community. Why can't we do something that's going to the community? Because again, through the services that we're providing, we discovered that there were many organizations in Glasgow, in Scotland, that were doing and providing services, but the communities were not really... Uh, benefiting out of that to the extent that they could yes so it's out of that that we said you know what let us um, you know start up our own business let us do something that is going to benefit our communities based on the fact that it is we've been through some of that journey um, and that's how we started Radiant and Brighter purely to support people to um, um, enter the community um, and use their skills and qualifications to get into the market. Yeah, and then when we got to start, we started to realize that not only did people want to uh, get into work, they wanted to start businesses. Yeah. So we had people asking us, can I start a business? And we thought, you know what, we share what we know. Mm. So we started to research, read up, and also share our own knowledge in setting up the business. Mm. And so we've now created as an organization a shared learning space where people learn uh, just how to be in the community, the things that you should know as a new person. Uh, young people can, uh, can join like our children's choir, be part of something that, that they're doing in the community or part of. So we've created a space really for migrant communities and BAME communities to be, uh, to be uh, valued uh, more importantly, but also for them to, to re-engage with their skills, qualifications, talents that they already had, but were never given the opportunity to do. But on the other side, we provide 
end-to-end -end diversity and inclusion support for businesses and organizations because we realized although we're trying to provide employment training most organizations would not take the people and if they did they were pushed out so we started to provide diversity and inclusion support for organizations people from diversity backgrounds and then we provide that training or support to make that happen and for organizations to have a more sustainable and um, engaging space in their workforce. What an admirable effort because there was a need. And, yeah. and it's amazing. It reminds me of that, that statement that everybody always hears, that proverb of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm. So apparently when the need was there, the community uh, com the community-based organization, the social enterprise, appeared. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, um, when we did it, when we started it, um, it, it was, again, just like Fiona said, we, we started supporting people to uh, integrate in the community, uh, get into employment and business startups. But alongside that, there have been a lot of challenges. So it's, it's not, again, been an easy sailing uh, kind of thing. It's interesting that uh, along, along, along the way, there were people or organizations that uh, thought we were taking their ideas. And we're like, no, we're not taking your ideas. We, we are doing our experience. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, when you're doing something out there, often people think that you're taking their their ideas. I think it's uh, it's again around um, that point of racism and things like that, because even the way we were perceived and the way we are perceived even up to now is is not so good. Um, so we continue to uh, address some of these issues and that's the reason why we provide those trainings to support people to understand that actually we're not here to take we are adding value to whatever is happening oh please build on that concept please build on that concept some more um so that concept yeah. of we have value mm. we as in the minority ethnic communities of scotland there's more than one just to be clear it's not yeah. just one community it's many communities and many of them have a value, if not values, to enrich Scotland. Can you talk about that some more? The thing about value, um, one of the things that came to me as we were, as we've talked about this a lot, one of the things that as an organization we were determined to do was that everybody that came felt good. Mm. That's because sometimes and a lot of times you come here and people come here when they have skills they have qualifications they have talent but the moment they get here they are treated as if they don't know anything mm. one of the things the challenges we found early on was that people who didn't speak english struggled even more mm. and then it was as if if you didn't understand english yeah it, it was indicative of your intellect mm. but english is a language like luganda mm. if you don't know luganda it doesn't mean that you're less able or capable or less intelligent you just don't know my language mm. uh not my language actually your language <laughs> but 
But I think what it is, is that in the Western world and in Glasgow, Scotland, the UK, when you come from Africa, you're equated to you've come here to get help. Mm. You've come here to get support. And to be honest, that, that has been built over the years through the information that is sent out there. I remember uh, I've spoken to one of our friends and I know uh, she won't mind me talking about it, but um, you won't know who it is anyway, but her daughter went to school and in the school, before she knew um, she's a black child, her mom is from one of the African countries and her daughter went to school and they brought these images of these children in their country and they specifically used that child's country, say like Uganda, in their country, begging and hustling for water. Mm. And this child said, I don't want to go to your to country. Mm, mm, the child mm. couldn't even see that her parents came from that country. She's disassociated herself from that country. And that is, uh, that's what you started off saying, nobody is born hating, nobody is born racist. Mm. But children, by the time they are five, they, they see things yeah. that indicate, and research has shown that, that they see things that indicate to them where they belong mm. and where they don't belong. And who's best. And who's best and, and who's not. Yeah, and who's valued and, and who's, who's not. not. Mm. And so when we come here, even we internalize it. Because they'll say, immigrants, you know, you've come here to take... And you're almost defending yourself. I'm not here to take jobs. Mm. I'm not here to take from you. Actually, I could do something. So you're having to either defend that position or accept it as the norm. And I think we accepted it as normal for a whole, for me at least, uh, nearly all of my life and then the first 10 years of being in this country until I was educated through those five years. So the value that we place on people, the stigma that is attached to being an infant, it devalues you, it dehumanizes you, it turns you into a person that's only capable of being helped, but incapable of giving and being able to, to do something. I remember we had a conference, and at this conference, I remember standing up at the front at the conference, this was maybe our second conference as Radiant and Brighter so many years ago, thankfully. But I had internalized the fact that I didn't belong here anyway. And so standing up at the conference, I remember our friends used to say, why are you, almost, why are you always so grateful? As if you were beholding. And these were our white friends asking us that question. I didn't understand why they were saying that. And I remember standing up and saying, I can understand if we don't uh, maybe if we don't uh, value, oh, my, my statement meant that I can understand if we don't see that maybe international students should be supported, but why would we not be able to, uh, to support refugees and asylum seekers? And after I spoke, this very confident friend of ours stood up and said, and if I am an international student, so what? Mm. And I thought, hang on a minute. He brought a whole different perspective and said, I pay, 
into the economy. Mm. I pay for the visa very heavily. I don't depend, I, on, I don't depend on any handouts. Any handouts mm. uh, that they that are, that we are given. I don't even qualify for any request public funds. Mm. I pay for the NHS. So what? Why should I not mm. be valued equally? And I thought, hang on a minute. I hadn't even seen it that way. I just thought that if you're an international student, maybe we maybe it's okay for you to go back home. Because in my view, I had internalized the fact that as a person, maybe I truly didn't belong here. They mm. didn't ask me to come and I didn't have to be here. Mm. But imagine saying to somebody who was born here, maybe our children, maybe the child of people that came here through their parents, their grandparents, great grandparents being slaves, and saying to them, "Go home." What are you? What what message are you sending? We only want you if you earn two thousand five hundred pounds a mm. month. What are you saying that we for the work? We don't really care about you. That actually communicates we want you here only if you're a slave. Mm. If you are going to pay into our economy. If we don't think you're paying enough to be valued, then we don't value you. Mm -hmm. That is inhumane. It's yeah. actually wrong. We have learned through COVID that actually the people that don't get paid so much, they're the carers. Mm -hmm. They're the cleaners. They're the key workers. They're the, key workers. <laughs> they're the ones that we celebrate. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope that we can build on the lens that we've had. Yeah, but also I think one of the things going back to the value is uh, through the services that we provide, obviously, um, we support people to get back into employment and we've done different training programs uh, to support people get into employment. Surprisingly, um, you, people go through these trainings mm. and organizations and companies will come and say we, we are really keen to take on the people. Mm. Um, and yes, we'll uh, take them on and, and we'll do our best to see that, uh, you know, we identify their skills and all that. And guess what? The moment they finish doing that training, that's it. Yeah. Um, the moment they, they, they finish doing the 12 week program, irrespective of their qualifications and their skills, that's it. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's easy to talk about um, these issues. It's easy to have the policies. It's easy to have the strategies. It's easy to have these values on, on equality, on, uh, on, uh, on fairness, on, on dignity. Diversity. on diversity and, and all that. But how come it's not even visible? Uh, often when you go back to these organizations that are, are talking about diversity and you talk about ethnicity, you don't hear a word. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you question yourself, how come you know, this is not addressed or it's not encouraged? Um, and I think the other biggest challenge that we have in Scotland, most of the work that may, the, the big organizations will, will, will uh, be doing, they do, they have their references in, in, in London. And so you have a corporate organization that has got offices all over the UK. Um, and they will say, yeah, yeah, we have diversity and all that. And then when you look at Scotland, the best in Scotland, obviously it's not diverse enough. And when you ask that question around ethnicity, the references don't solve. And so you wonder, <laughs> do you really um, understand this? Do you value this? Yeah, they have the values there. They have the policies there. Oh, they do diversity trainings every year and every <laughs> so often. Um, 
but actually the skills that the people have in Scotland, the migrants have in Scotland, they're not looked at at all. Um, and so I think as much as organizations and companies and the country, Scotland is talking about these things, that that talking is not visible. There is this one, there's this one. Yeah. Um, organizations might have maybe, uh, maybe some, some, people that are from minority ethnic groups and they will say oh we, we have we have some three staff members in our team <laughs> and then when you find out the, those three staff members in the team are either the cleaner or the people you know that have been working there for years as a volunteer and have not progressed to go anywhere so really uh we the value that's placed on the um being fast and being them people and communities is, is known is not is not strong enough. It's not strong enough. Yeah. Really you bring up really enough. valid points because it's invisible talent. Yes. Yeah. Invisible yeah. talent that's untapped, that's unrecognized yeah. um, sometimes. Mm. So what I would like to do is just take a few minutes to unpack some of the concepts that we that circulate that we hear all the time in corporations and on social media and whatnot. If you're willing to to take just a few minutes to approach them from your perspective, so. Um, this concept of equality versus equity. What does that really mean for the for the ethnic and minority community communities? Sorry, equality versus equity. See, this is the thing. I think. Can I just take it from a particular perspective? <laughs> I hear that. I get that, and I understand that. But why is it? words versus words <laughs> why you know it's like we've learned the language yeah oh we we it's it, it's equity it's not equality it's we learn the language i i was in i was in a meeting not too long ago and we were having a meeting about um how we move forward post-covid and it was a very high level meeting and then somebody set the scene and said, I'm just gonna, you know, the person was told to set the scene of the meeting and said, uh, they're just gonna have a high level um, overview. Um, overview. And they talked, 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 and by the time they'd finished, maybe five minutes, can't remember, three minutes or so. Honestly, I'd kind of lost them. And not only had I lost them, all of us in that meeting had lost them because by the time they finished, we were all quiet because really, it is not about the language. It is not about the high level staff. Really what it is about is about humanity, mm. you know? And yes, I understand that those words are important, but it's as if every new, every, every time we are caught out, we coin a new word. We come up with a new statement. Oh, it's now diversity. Mm. Oh, diversity of thought. Oh, it's <laughs> Let's not start <laughs> diversity. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Can I talk about diversity of thought? I remember. Actually, yes, because that's the next one that I was oh. going to say. Diversity of thought versus inclusivity. <laughs> and the one thereafter was conscious versus unconscious bias. So please, what take is away. that? What is that? Diversity of thought. Hmm. I remember I was invited. Rehan, you might have been in that session, actually. I remember I was invited to speak at an event and um it was organized in partnership with an organization we work with no names but 
the people that had organized it invited me and told me we're doing a diversity event you know we'd like you to come and speak and i was like yeah of course i'll come and i remember as i sat at the front because i'd invited women from radiant and brighter and there was maybe half the room was was people that we'd invited and then we sat at the front and again to set the scene this fantastic uh, uh woman stood up and said um because clearly we were i'd been invited on the basis of the work that i do which is culture and ethnicity and i remember this woman in the scene and saying really for me what matters and she was from the bame communities and she said what really matters for me is diversity of thought and so for me and she went on about diversity of thought and i thought what and i was going to speak right after her and i had to make a decision do i go that way do i actually agree with her because it wasn't my event i hadn't organized it and you're thinking i have to respect what they've what they're saying or what they are doing i don't want to step on anybody's toes but then i'm like no this is not what they said to me when they invited me in fact this is not the basis on which i was invited and so i looked around the room with the people that i'd invited and i thought i'm not going to let them down and i said anyway in my case i yes i understand diversity of thought but i am here to talk about ethnicity and diversity i understand that is there but this is not why i'm here and so it's that is what i mean with language they will pick that up when they realize they caught out if we say diversity they're going to ask where's the black person where's the disabled person mm -hmm. diversity of thought mm. you know and i'm like what diversity of thought comes from being different mm. it comes from coming from different cultures mm. it comes from it, you know what we could sit here just ask black people from uganda and we still have diversity, diversity of thought, thought. Yeah. is that what you're saying we are going to do mm. is that really what you're saying you stand for and so let's not get started on this diversity of thought yeah and i think sometimes <laughs> it's uh, um we complicate the issues so much mm. and that is the reason why for years we are still dealing with the same issue of mm. racism yeah because every time it pops up and surprise surprise it pops up in different ways mm. and so every time it comes up um very quickly we look for words or statements so um that that can cover it Mm. Uh, so that we, we we look like and seem like we are dealing with it. Mm. No, 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 no. It's it's okay. But actually, we're just suppressing it, mm. and that is the reason why we get to points where people are put, pulling down um, the statues and and all that, and people are frustrated and they're doing all these things. And then when things like that happen, everyone is shocked. Oh, how how come? Where where did that all come from? It's it's down to the things that are happening. Mm. People are not been breathing for a very long time. Mm. And so I think as a community, as individuals, it's important for as us society. to, as a society, to stop using all that and let us face this issue. Because just like someone highlighted recently, racism is just like a pandem pandemic as well. It's a crisis as well. And, and, and as we've reacted and responded to COVID-19, that is the same way we should respond to, to, to racism. Mm -hmm. we, we should never give it room. Um, and anytime it raises up, I think this whole situation is giving us an opportunity to actually dig deep and be very honest about ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. um, this is not something for us to, to faff about and continue 
burying under the carpet. We actually have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And this is the opportunity that is creating for every single one of us to, to respond and, 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 reflect. and reflect and be honest with, with, with ourselves. Yeah, and the other one around uh, conscious and unconscious bias. I know we have training on unconscious bias, mm. and I've been reading a lot about it, and I've been educating myself on it. And the question is, how much of it is unconscious? How much of it is conscious? conscious yeah. And I know somebody, I know one of the people that's involved in this kind of training. Actually, she's white. She refuses to say that it's unconscious. She calls it conscious. And it's funny, we're talking about it now because only yesterday I was reading about it and considering implicit bias because that's used a lot in America, that it exists, but not necessarily unconscious. Mm. Uh, it is in the cautious mind or subconscious mind, but it is implicit. And I'm starting to think, do we use implicit bias instead of unconscious bias? Mm. So it's, it's something to really think about because sometimes, yes, you have this thought, you already know, you've internalized the fact that a black person is not Value. good enough, mm. You know, so why is it that if they show you a CV that doesn't have a name on it, you, still... you are able to take that person, mm. but if it has a name on it, then you will not take the person if they are black. How is that uncautious, mm. you know? And then if they show up, I mean, I know people who have had to change their names yeah. so that when they make an application, they are accepted. Mm. But how is that unconscious bias? You know, I think sometimes we are cautious, but we've not made us, educated ourselves enough to understand what we are doing. We are cautious to be uncautious. We are, yeah, we are cautiously, consciously unconscious. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's debatable uh, this unconscious bias thing. It it reminds me of the statement that I constantly hear you say and gets repeated, and thankfully you get quoted for it. It's being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes, being, being conscious of the uncomfortableness and still being honest is another way of looking at it. Yes. So let's talk about how can we. You know, we, we've, let me step back just a second. We've talked about, you know, social values and, and social customs. We've talked about the, the, the catchphrases. We've talked about racism and a bit about the impact of racism. So what are the changes that we could hope to gain uh, from this incredible teacher that were 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 under its tutelage at this time mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. could we gain what gifts can we harvest from this experience in such a way so that we can create change so we can be our own change agents here in scotland and throughout mm -hmm. the world um what 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 advice do you have First of all, first of all, let me say this is a collective issue. Yeah, it's not something that can be dealt with by one group. Sometimes it's felt like you're just a lone voice talking about this. Mm. We've been talking about this in Scotland for years, and sometimes it felt uh, 
by the way, I think one one of the things you said recently was that um, as much as it's uncomfortable for people, it's also uncomfortable for us. Yeah. So let's just agree that we're all uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think, first of all, we need to understand this is a collective issue. People who are in the white majority also need to stand up against racism yeah. because it's important that they understand. And I know that this is an issue that's caused a lot of reaction even now with different people but the truth of the matter is um racism is derived and has its genealogy in white privilege Mm. and so it has its genealogy in white white in the white ethnicity being taught to the world as greater, better, and more than Mm. any other (coughs) color of people. Mm. And so we need, first of all, to understand that we need to educate ourselves on what what privilege looks like and what racism looks like and what causes it. Because when you talk about racism, sometimes people are like, oh, but I would never do that. I would never kill a person from Mm. color. Oh, I have friends who are black. Mm. But that's not the issue. Mm. The issue is the things that have been, um, that have over the years been communicated in this ideology so that they've now impacted how people think, people think, people how react. people behave, mm. how institutions behave, the culture that they cultivate mm. that goes beyond just the immediate community, but goes beyond to an extent that if I apply for a visa, I'll pay 10 times more Mm. than somebody that applies from America or from Britain. Because we don't have more money in Africa, Mm. but yet we pay the most, why? Mm. And so we need to understand, and I won't go into that, but we need to understand, first of all, we need to educate ourselves. We need to take it as a societal problem and not an issue for Michael, Fiona, Reham, and any other people that are not white. Mm. So if we start there, we can also say this has been going on. It started over 400 years ago. Yeah. So yeah. for it to be eradicated, it's not going to take two years. It's not even going to take a yeah. year. Yeah. So first of all, we need to understand. It's a long time. This is an yeah. elephant. Mm. Mm. And to eat an elephant, how do you eat an elephant? Mm. little mm. by little mm. but at least you start eating mm. you know if you don't eat you can't say i'm going to eat it mm. so we need to have the attitude of we are going to try and do something about it and although we have policies and all these kind of things it doesn't change the hearts and minds of people mm. so we need to work on our own education our own understanding and therefore agree that we will take a step going forward. Mm. One of the issues that we have is that often in the past when we've talked about racism, you have people saying, oh, I can, um, oh, I can, I, I, the thing is I don't understand. Mm. That is just lazy. You can't mm. say I don't understand. Find out why do you not understand? If somebody, if people are talking about it, what do you not understand? Mm. Then you can start to educate yourself. So on an individual basis, mm. Mm. educate yourself yeah educate yourself yeah yeah 
but I think also on an individual basis is, is that thing where when someone comes to you or when you hear someone expressing uh, issues around racism, is, is you supporting um, that individual. Uh, use your white privilege to support that individual. Yeah. I think often, often when, when we've always highlighted these issues, again, just like you said, people will be like, oh, we don't understand what you're talking about. But, but I'm hurting. <laughs> this thing is destroying my life. Mm. This thing is kicking out my confidence. This thing is, uh, is uh, affecting me mentally. Mm. This thing is uh, destroying the community. Mm. And so this issue where, uh, in most cases, again, it's, it's, it's evident in Scotland, right now is being talked about, but most of the organizations are quiet. Uh, they, they, they are very quiet. They're not talking. They're not saying anything about it. And that's it. Um, and, and so we need to, in, as in individuals, to, we need to stand up against it, say something again about it, say something. Mm. Um, because by you saying something about it as an individual, whether you know or not, even saying, you know what, I even don't know uh, anything about it, that is good enough. Uh, because that is a good starting point for us um, or for you to, be, to start to be educated. Yeah, you mean when you say I don't know, but yes. I want to know. Yes, that, yeah. but I open want the, to know. Open the so, channels of communication. Say, say that again? Yes. Open the channels of communication, basically. Exactly. Have a dialogue exactly. so that people can feel like they can trust um, the, 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 the conversation that they're having with someone of any ethnic or minority background. And what is true for one is not true for everyone. So ask, That's right. you yeah. know, be honest and say, I don't know how to refer to you. Do I call you black or do I call you African? For example, yeah, this is yeah. a major issue I know in the States. Exactly. So, you know, that's a simple one. Yeah. Yeah. So as an individual, I think it's, it's important for people to, to stand up and, and say something and, and be there um, when these issues are highlighted. Also, on a, a community, um, uh, in what this time is, it's given us an opportunity to get back to our so we are in isolation, we are, we are now on, and, and I think as families, an opportunity to start to address these issues honestly. Start that conversation, up. start it with your family, have that conversation. Have a Zoom chat. Have a friend, or, or even, even without Zoom chat, have it among yourself at home. How do you feel about this? People who are not with families, then you can do the Zoom or give a call. Um, but about it, what, how do you feel, you know, we are hearing about these issues, what it mean? And let us be honest when we are having those conversations. Yeah. Because without about it, we, we still harbor those issues at the back of our minds. Mm. And so as a community, it's important for us to have those conversations at home. Let us start thinking that by the time we go back to the community, when we go out to the community, we already have a, a good perspective about some of these issues. Yeah, and as an organization, as, uh, as in the systems and structures, we really, really need people at the top. We need to, representation. To be educated yeah. equally, the same as people are, uh, on the shop floor. So what we normally see is when you do diversity training or when you do a session on diversity, usually the either the the people on the shop floor or the middle management that turn up for the training, but actually the seniors 
they don't show and oh, I know they are busy. Oh, oh sometimes, but... sometimes, sometimes this is what happens. Um, the middle management will attend um, the sessions, and guess what? The seniors uh, benefit out of that. They 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 they, they improve their profit. So before you know yeah. it, that yeah, <laughs> so if that 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 uh, that manager or that uh, uh, director now becomes the diversity expert in that company. Yeah. But remember that they, they, they never turned up, but they're the, they're the Scottish white person that has now got. <laughs> that sent their staff <laughs> that sent their to do diversity training. Yeah. yeah. They have paid for it, therefore yeah. they are now the diversity expert. champion. Champion expert. in the country. Bring up such um, an important point. As a, um, sorry, I was just going to say, you bring up such an important point because um, what I notice is organizations, communities, teams, um, and politically as well, whenever there is a spokesperson, if this is a commitment that we can make openly here in Scotland, whenever there's a spokesperson that is of Scottish origin, to commit to also bring an ethnic or minority speaker alongside so that there's a balanced, equitable approach to the topic. Because if, if we are not being heard as, a as like diverse communities of different backgrounds, and, we, and Scotland is one of the more, you know, Glasgow, should I be more specific, is more diverse than a lot of other cities throughout um, Scotland. If, if that representation doesn't come forth, then the voice isn't heard then the impact isn't there, then the support can't be there, then the conversations aren't being heard. Yeah. And then it's almost like it's just continuing the status quo. So yeah. a commitment from every organization that's willing to commit to this, every community, every political arena yeah. to, to identify actively those individuals that are of minority or ethnic backgrounds that are educated in those in those topics to come forth and speak as well so that that's almost giving a leg up and and allowing there to be a a a platform for different voices to be heard is what came up for me when you said that yeah i think the other thing is um the other thing that we've also identified when it comes to organizations addressing these issues is uh, the organizations will have these uh, diversity projects as a side thing, um, but yet these are issues that are supposed to be embedded within the, within the company. So you'll find a company saying, yeah, yeah, we've got uh, diversity champions. No, no, uh, no, no, they will say, we have we, we, we value diversity. One yes. of our values is diversity. Yeah. We'll have this champion. Yes. <laughs> yes. This one champion this one who does a project on the side. Yeah. They are never in. Um and, and, and so we, we when we are dealing with some of these issues, especially around racism, these things need to be embedded within the organization. They need to be embedded. It's supposed to be a thread that runs from the top to the bottom. So that when issues come up, everyone is aware. Everyone is aware of the penalty, penalties that are going to uh, be done and, and the consequences of bringing up and, and having some of these, these issues within the, within the organization. And if we can't commit to things like that, 
then we're going to miss the opportunity. But let's just say the thing about racism, it's not about us dealing with racism just. It's more than that. It's the fact that we all benefit yeah, yeah. from knowing that we are all first Valued. and foremost mm. human beings. Mm. Mm. We are just people. We mm. are human beings. Mm. We talk about racism as if we are dealing with um, um, a poison that we need to take out mm. that's, that comes from nowhere. Mm. It comes as if it's an as if it's external to us it's actually almost an internal issue and so we need to think differently mm. if we thought differently say you know the way about racism okay even when we talk about um slaves or when we talk about history black history month is always about slave trade you know issues of of, of being black and all that. Imagine if a child was being taught in school that, um, you know, uh, one of the places in Glasgow, um, the Merchant City, that Merchant City was built by some fantastic, strong black people. Mm. If that child grew up to know that they were part of the development of, and beauty of that city, mm. regardless, if we call them heroes, for doing that amidst the challenges they faced. You think the child would still go the mindset that slaves were just poor, incapable people? If we looked at the contribution that exactly. they did. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So we need to consider contribution and start to have a completely different narrative and change the rhetoric around being black, being a person of minority ethnic origin. Ah, oh, what can I say? Seriously, it, it is about the narrative, to be honest, because history is a narrative, and then personal history is a narrative. Mm -hmm. And making sure that one stands out clearly as the truth, being that it's the personal experience of the, the masses that becomes the true narrative. Mm -hmm. I know, Alan, you have a question. Did you want to go ahead and ask? Yes, absolutely. So, um, I have lots of friends from all over the world with um, all sorts of uh, backgrounds, religions, uh, skin colors. I love them like my brothers. One of my favorite group of people is the ones that I go play football every Sunday. Um, and they're from all over the world. Uh, lots of uh, guys from Africa. I love them like brothers. Uh, and um, fortunately, I never heard um, any any of the stories uh, that that are like as terrible as we hear, you know, uh, on on social media. Uh, but I wish those people they would not, um, you know, experience all those negative uh, things that are happening. I just wish there was no racism, right? And uh, and there is if there is something uh, we could do about it. And I just like consider what. Uh, a person like me could do about it and and I'll give you an example just to kind of to give you a, a, a perspective on on my thought process so before I started my business uh, I used to work as a manager in a restaurant and this restaurant was a very diverse place in terms of age it was actually most of the people that worked it was very uh, cool and hip restaurant 
uh, that was very um, very positive and, and really uh, really fun place to be and the people who worked there were very diverse in terms of age and and sex and basically 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 it was like a cool place to be mainly run uh, and and you know all the waiters and, and the chefs would be like students of university of edinburgh uh, and so on um and very open-minded um and, and so on and there was one uh guy who is uh, uh who is a, a, a bartender uh that uh, we worked with and i would call him the epitome of cool he was the coolest guy you could imagine he, he i don't remember which african country he came from but i just like i i wish i was like him it was like so cool right mm. um and we had great uh vibe as a team together and we were kind of not afraid to have a banter and joke around so i was really impressed by the fact that um this guy he never he was never afraid to have some sort of self-depreciating humor and even joke from uh, the fact that he's from Africa, uh, uh, he uh, is, uh, if, that, if that's okay to say, he's black. Mm -hmm. So um, when he made those jokes and he made it all okay and kind of like this, this, this really casual environment, mm -hmm. it also gave everyone a, a little bit of like, Mm, kind of space breathing space because most of the time we, when we work with people of different uh, skin color we tend to be a little bit afraid of saying anything what can we say well we can because we don't want to hurt, hurt people we love those people we don't want to hurt them uh and we, we don't like I, I, obviously there are races in the world they, they will want to hurt people but generally i think honest human beings don't want to hurt others even just by speech and mm. sometimes you don't know how to refer to someone or sometimes you don't know what you should not say and what's okay but at the same time i think if you want to solve racism you have to be okay with uh, kind of having this kind of conversations and an open mind and and free flow of ideas and and it's just like the question would be, um, like, because my biggest problem is like, once you start being this casual, it could be very easy to step on the history and uh, disrespect the, all the negative things that happened in the past, you know? So how would you do that without disrespecting history? How would you make it, you know, so we don't see race an issue ever again without disrespecting the history? You know what I mean? That's a very good question, actually. <clears throat> and uh, I'll give you two examples. Um, the first is I have done that before. Um, I've done that, and I still sometimes do something that will break the ice. Um, I actually do it a lot even when I'm speaking. I'll turn up and I'll say, um, um, just so you know, I am, I'm, I'm, you can be caramel actually no i'm black you know so <laughs> I, i'll i'll break the ice that way so some people will have taken the day and they will be comfortable talking about racism race related issues they have taken a certain kind of journey it takes a journey to come out and start talking about it confidently with people that might not that you is not able to understand 
the, the, the plight and the challenging situations you have been through. So I've also just stood in a, in a queue at some point. We were talking to somebody and I don't know what, I can't remember what he did. And I just said, is it because I'm black? They turned and they were in shock. They were like, did she just, he was like, what, what happened? And seriously, and he looked at me a bit shocked and then I burst out laughing. And then I realized that I was, but it broke the ice and it allows, uh, and I've done that to start off conversation. When I speak as well, I, I, when I speak, I give people permission to talk. And that is really, really, really important. Mm -hmm. I can only thrive in a place where you have created a relationship mm -hmm. with the person, with the community we're engaging with. Mm -hmm. If you continue, if they know that you perceive the valued members yeah. of society, yeah. they will be comfortable having those conversations. Mm -hmm. I have friends and we have friends, even just today, we have friends that call us, that are calling us now to say, I didn't actually realize mm -hmm. that this was as bad as it is every day. They know they can speak to us about it. And some of them will call and say, I don't know whether it's okay to talk to you about, it. just be honest with you. Mm. I didn't understand ABCD. And that's, and that's, and that's the point there. Yes. Um, it's, it's having those own honest discussions. Yes. Um, it's having those uh, conversations where, and, and if people know that it's coming from a right place, yes. then it shouldn't be a problem. Yes. I think the reason why some become uncomfortable, oh, I don't want to offend you, is because ask yourself, why, why, why is it making you uncomfortable? Yeah. I As an individual, why is it making you uncomfortable? Yeah. But also, I think you have to have that relationship mm -hmm. to be able to bring these issues up, or you have to have the space mm -hmm. to do this. And if you bring it up in the right space and the right frame of mind, and with people that you have a relationship with, it becomes a different story. I'll give you another example. Our children, both, I don't know whether, Reham, you're aware of this, but I was shocked. So children told us, in high school now, there's thing where black children are made to give what they call the end pass to white children. Do you know what that is? That is permission for them to use the N-word. <laughs> and so some of the children, because they are black and they want to be popular, they are pressured into allowing white kids to use to it. Use and then when other children say you can't use that, they say, oh, you give me the pass. Hakim gave me permission to say that. Mm. And so what happens is that I was more mortified to find that actually this is something that is going around that you can get the end what kind of nonsense is that that is not created in the right way mm. in a way that we should actually be having these conversations but and lastly i'll give you an, uh, i'll give you a last example that just came up i just thought about it as well one of the uh, the, the our friends that i was talking to she went to she went to work on time and uh, as she was sat down in in a break this person comes up and asks her a question that was based on uh, that she, she basically sat down and she said to her oh so um what do you think about this thing about this is pre this situation said what do you think about racism 
And she knew that this person was number one at putting people down. Mm. She knew that she was racist. And now she's asking her. What, what did she say to her? She said to her, I don't have those conversations anymore with people who don't understand it because they've damaged me. I've had mental health issues with it. So I don't have those conversations anymore with people who don't understand because they didn't have a relationship mm. and she knew where it was coming from. She was going to debate it probably and make her feel small. Mm. So when you have a relationship and you've created that space, you can't talk. And if you mm. get it wrong, Okay. Honest people mm, mm. will actually tell you yeah. that's not right. Yeah. Just today I was educating somebody on why we don't use the N-word. But it's because we'd had that conversation and I knew she wants to understand. Mm. Okay. I hope that answers. It does. It does. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for that, um, uh, for that question, Alan. And thank you for your honesty and your open-mindedness um Fiona and and Michael to share and to be a part of this open dialogue um this this call to everyone here um in the UK and throughout the world to 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 do what you were talking about and you've uh listed beautifully so um i guess i'm going to i'm going to leave us with a couple of questions uh building on what you've both brought up um, after Michael, you say what you would like to share. Yes, please go ahead. Yeah, can, can I just say before you, yes, you, you wrap up, can I say that irrespective of some of the challenges and, and all that is going around, I think it's a very good opportunity for us to do something different. Yeah. Um, right now, we, we hopefully, if we go through COVID, um, we are planning to build back better. Yeah. Let, let, let us be able to seize this moment to build back better. Um, and let us seize it by having some action points around racism. We can do differently. Do differently uh, and we can do better. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very good opportunity. It's great. It's, it's hurting. It's destroying. It destroys people's lives. Um, and there's that side of it. But I think as we go forward, let us take this as an opportunity to address these issues and do something positive for everyone in the communities. Beautiful. Thank you. That is a challenge that I'm up for and I hope many others are up for as well. So the, the points that I was going to leave our viewers and our audience with are, how are you going to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? How are you building a healthy, inviting, safe, and honest environment to build relationships with others? How are you going to start dialogues on issues such as racism? Mm. What commitments are you making moving forward? And to build into your point, Michael, how are you going to build up better as we go mm. forward? Mm. How are you going to value human life? Mm. Thank you, Michael and Fiona. Thank you, Alan, for joining us. And please join us on our next episode of the Genuine Men's Chat Show which is coming up next month. Uh, we also have podcasts and our Zoom Lives uh, on a weekly basis. Share, like, and follow uh, on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And join the Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group to join other men in the discussion. Our motto in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table? <laughs>